Hey, 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 thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my podcast, A State of Wealth. I'm your host, Saida Brown. And the podcast, A State of Wealth, is a, just a, is a space to provide open conversation on generational wealth, cryptocurrencies, um, and really real estate. So I'm doing the podcast at the same time I'm doing the Facebook Live. So I want to say big shout out to Reverend Ferguson. Bishop, he's a bishop now. Thank you for watching. So if you have any questions, Bishop, about real estate, generational wealth, cryptocurrency, ask away because that is exactly what we're talking about. So when I, I've been a real estate agent. I've shared this uh, enough times for people to, to know at this point. But I've been a real estate agent for a couple of years, and I'm finding that I'm spending more time helping people save their home instead of actually selling it. And so I feel like there's this moral obligation. Of course, as an agent, we make money when we sell properties or help people buy or sell properties. But I've noticed this trend. Um, I don't want to necessarily relegate it to the black community. But when you start out, you kind of go within your sphere of influence, and those are the people that I know. And I kept finding, getting these clients and getting these situations where their properties were, it was just a stressful situation, a distressed property in a stressful situation. And I found myself offering guidance, wisdom, pulling in my network of resources to help them better understand the importance of these financial decisions that that need to be made that were not being made to save their property and to be able to preserve the wealth that they have. I'm just going to get my candle really quickly and put it by me because outside you can probably hear the crickets. So I want the candle so it can help with the bugs. There we go. And it provides a little light just like the Indians, right? The fire uh, gave us some light. So let me give you a couple scenarios. And if you have any questions, just put them in the chat room. And I'll definitely answer them. I had a situation with a client where her grandmother owned the property. And the property was passed to her mother. And then that property was passed to her. And within this property, she lived there on one floor, her one of her children lived on another floor and another child lived on the first floor. So in Jersey, we have these, you know, they call them duplexes in other parts of the country, but it's really a two-family home. And then there's this debate that this person doesn't want to pay rent, this person doesn't want to pay rent, and so she just kind of threw her hands in the air and the house got into a bad financial situation. So I was brought in, I received the call, hey Cy, can you help me? Absolutely, I can help you. And I found myself being a mediator between the family members. Who should pay for this? Who shouldn't? And I'm, and it left me kind of scratching my head like, wait a minute. Do you understand that if you, whatever you end up doing with this property, it's going to cost your family wealth two or three generations down the line. Like we need to hold on to whatever properties that we have because this is how wealth is acquired and this is how wealth is this is an I don't want to say an easy way but it is one of the key ways that wealth is transferred between generations because of real estate real estate real property tangible assets land stuff like cars I've heard people say oh, I want to leave my kid a car that's an asset that that depreciates 
that's not wise. Real estate, for the most part, is never going to go down. And even if it goes down and there's a dip, it's definitely going to come back up. So I feel real estate investing is very, very important. And I remember just dealing with this situation. We were almost in an untenable place where how do we how do we get past this impasse that we have where some really key financial decisions have to be made or else it could be very I was dare I say catastrophic results so uh, we were able to navigate through that but that was one of the transactions earlier in my career and then I just found myself on occasion getting into these same situations and I just started scratching my head like what can I do to set up some type of entity or some type of I don't want to say a company but some type of something to help people stay in their homes and understand the importance of maintaining the home because a lot of homes let me let me let me just add this too hey Chazelle um, I see you watching thank you so much for watching grab a glass of wine join us so if you're listening to the podcast it's a state of wealth if you're watching it on Facebook live it's real estate real late um, you know, what can I do to offer people, but not regardless if they're my client or not, what can I offer homeowners in a packet or some semblance of guidance to help them understand the other important issues of home ownership? Now, let me say this. There are all these programs about how to be, buy a home, your first time homeowner. I mean, you could, you could Google that and you'll find that information. But once you buy the home, who is there or what entity is there to help you get through the first year of home ownership, the second year, the third year, the first five years of home ownership? And so when I launched the State of Wealth, the spirit of that is to help homeowners within the first five years of home ownership understand what it is to be a homeowner, how to make investments into the home, what things that they, sh- what, what things they should look at within the first 90 days with things they should start looking at at year three. I just had a client right now where they called the insurance company several times. They just bought the home a couple years ago and they called the insurance company a couple times and every time they called the insurance company, the insurance company opened a claim. They never paid the claim, they closed the case, but they opened the claim nonetheless. So now it's time for them to renew their homeowner's insurance policy and the insurance company's like, no, you have too many claims. So I was brought into the conversation like, wait, Saida, we haven't had these claims. So I got on the phone with the insurance company on behalf of my client, and I'm saying, well, wait a minute, can you, where, what are the payouts, what are the dates that you have? And the insurance company was like, no, we haven't made any payouts, but there have been, in the state of New Jersey, more than uh, three claims in a five-year period. And I'm saying, well, but there haven't been any payouts. I still don't understand where, how you're saying this is a claim. Well, because my client called, one situation is that the uh, their air conditioner uh, had gone out. And so they called the insurance company hoping they could file a claim to get their central air fixed. It turns out they couldn't do it. The insurance company closed it, done deal. My client ended up fixing the air conditioner. Well, the insurance company opened that up as a claim. Who would know this stuff? Like, really, who would even think, who would think about that? So it's crazy, but it's a real thing. So now they got dropped by the insurance company. So I helped them try to navigate, put them in touch with a broker, and they were able to get insurance. But now, get this, the only, they were denied by two companies. The next insurance company that said, oh, no, we'll, we'll insure them, we'll pick them up, no claims, understand. But now the premium is double. So now 
ignorance has cost this family over $2,000, which is more than double what they should have been paying for their homeowner's insurance. What's up, DeMarcus? Hi. Thank you for joining me on Real Estate Real Late. And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, A State of Wealth, we're talking about real estate, cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, and generational wealth. So long story short, this situation where the client didn't even have any claims, all they did was make phone calls and inquire and because the insurance company actually opened a claim but there was no payout it was considered that they opened a claim and because there were more than three in five years they dropped them and so the premium i think was like a little over a thousand dollars and now uh the quote that they got was just over two thousand dollars so that is a hundred percent penalty because of something they just did not know and it's uh that's the stuff that i'm talking about that's the that's the, the, the penalties for being poor, the penalty for not knowing, the penalty for just being unaware. Um, and it's quite unfortunate. So anyway, the whole spirit of what I'm doing, in addition to, I guess, <laughs> not I guess, but being a real estate agent by day and uh, a homeowner's friend at night <laughs> doing these podcasts and doing these Facebook Lives, is really to help us better understand how to navigate the first five years of home ownership. I'm really clear about that, really to the point, because there's just a lot of things that you just don't know that can really, really cost you in the end. So today, I really wanted to talk about um, help for homeowners during uh, COVID. So a lot of help was given or were offered to homeowners during COVID to help them stay in their home. But those protections are starting to expire. So what now happens if you're a homeowner, you took a forbearance, uh, and now these protections are getting ready to expire, and either you don't have your job back, or your income is not the same, or any other nuanced situation, and now you just don't know what to do. So that's what that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. DeMarcus, uh, Bishop Ferguson, Chazelle, if you have any questions about real estate or generational wealth, just pop them in the chat room and I'll answer them while we're live. Um, so let me just get into this. This And this information can be found on estateofwealth.com, uh, which is my blog, uh, that is growing rapidly. I'm probably going to start a Facebook group. I think, I, think we, I think my assistant started one earlier today. I'm not sure. But anyway, I'll let you know. So anyway, some help for homeowners during coronavirus national emergency. I'm just going to read a couple of things from the post that I put on my blog today. If you've had trouble making mortgage payments because of COVID-19 related hardship, here is some information to help. Whether you're entering forbearance, need more time, or ready to exit, here is information on what to do next. So here's what happened. Let me just give you the cliff notes of what happened. So when the onset of COVID, the government realized, holy cow, you've shut everything down, people now can't go to work because everybody doesn't have a job where you can work from home. So they said, if you need help paying your mortgage, we can put you into forbearance, but most of it applied to single family homes. So now what if you had tenants? I'll get to that in a minute, but that notwithstanding, um, you were able to get a forbearance where you just didn't have to pay your mortgage. No, uh, There were no penalties applied. Um, you were, there were no late payments, you know, it wouldn't impact your credit. You just had to call your mortgage servicer and they would put you into this forbearance. And then they called you every couple of months just to see if you still needed the assistance. So now 
these protections are starting to end. So what do you do in the meantime now that these protections may be winding down and you may have uncertain income, you may not have picked up your income, your income may, you may have gone back to work, like what are you actually supposed to do? So a couple things they can do is you can just pay it, whatever the amount of forbearance is, you can just write them a check or, you know, if you have money from savings, a 401k or a 403b or something like that, you can just, um, if you have trust, stocks, mutual funds, you can probably cash those in, just pay it, and then the, your service provider will allow you to, con uh, to continue making those, pay your regular monthly payment. They want to make sure you're able to pay your mortgage, so you have to be really, really sure that there won't be a break in income, but for the most part, your mortgage servicer will allow you to continue to um, just pick up your payments once you pay that money. Now, what do you do if you don't have the money? Well, if you don't have the money, what they can do is they can take that amount, put a lien on your property, and then tack it on on the end of your mortgage. So that means, say your mortgage is $1,000 a month, you haven't paid it for 12 months, now that's $12,000 that you owe. So the amount that's going to be on your main mortgage is going to decrease by $12,000, but that $12,000 that you owe is now going to be tacked on to the end, and you will not be able to sell your property until that, that lien amount is paid. I think, well, I can't tell you what to do. So this is, I have to put a disclaimer that this is not legal advice, you need to speak with an accountant or an attorney, but I think that's a very wise choice because if you, if you were able to save a couple of dollars, this is a really good way to build up your cash reserve and then just tack the money on at the end. So it's, it's, it, it's, it, it can definitely help families um, put a cushion and a pad in their finances um, in case of another emergency, especially through no fault of your own, which COVID definitely was. So anyway, most homeowners can pause temporarily pause or reduce their mortgage payments if they're struggling financially. Forbearance is when your mortgage service or lender allows you to pause or reduce your mortgage payments with a limited time while you build back your finances. For most loans, there's no additional fees, penalties, or interest. This is what I was just saying. That they, they did it at 0% interest. And if they do the lien, they could stick it at a 0% interest on the back end of your loan, of your mortgage. Forbearance doesn't mean that your payments are forgiven or erased. You're still obligated to make those payments. But before the end of the forbearance, you have your servicer will contact you on how to repay those missed payments. That's what I was just explaining to you. So here is who is eligible for forbearance, and this is directly coming from the, the U.S. government website. Uh, you have the right to a COVID hardship forbearance if you experience financial hardship directly or indirectly due to coronavirus pandemic. And here is the and with a big circle caveat. And you have a federally backed mortgage, which includes HUD, FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie Mae, or Freddie Mac loans. So if you have a conventional loan, you may not be able to do this. Hear me when I tell you. That is the caveat, the and. So if your finances were compromised due to COVID, and you have a federally backed mortgage. So for those of you who may have gotten like 3% down or 3.5% down through FHA loans, you're eligible. Or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or VA, or HUD, you're eligible. Other, otherwise, you may not be eligible. So you have to check with your service provider. And for mortgages that are not federally backed, servicers may offer similar forbearance options, but you have to call them and ask. Nobody's going to come to you 
dangling a, a favor. You have to be aggressive and you have to ask and find out, hey, what's going on? What are my options? Because we were impacted by COVID, but we don't want to lose our home. When applying, there is a deadline. So you have to check to make sure that the deadline has not passed and that you still have time. Some service providers are still allowing you time to apply for the forbearance because the expiration, because the, the actual programs have not expired as of yet. I strongly recommend you call your service provider. So how long does forbearance last? The initial forbearance plan uh, will typically last three to six months, but because of COVID and it's now well over a year, most places started, I know in New York, we started getting shut down March 13th of last year, March, April, May, June, July, so 12, we're now 16 months into this. Um, so they, most service providers have extended it. So if you need more time to recover more than the typical three to six months, you can request an extension. For most loans, the forbearance can be extended up to 12 months, some up to 18. This is what I'm trying to explain to you. Depending upon when your service provider activated that, we're coming up on 18 months because we're 16 months into this now. So from what I understand, September is when this is going to start to wind down. If you notice, unemployment's ending in September. The kids are going back to school in September. That makes 18 months since the onset of COVID, the recognized onset of COVID, because I think we had COVID before they actually recognized that COVID was a, was a thing. If your mortgage is backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, you can request up to two additional three-month extensions for a maximum of 18 months total. Again, this information is on my blog, A State of Wealth. If your mortgage is backed by HUD, FHA, USDA, or VA, you can request up to two additional three-month extensions for a maximum of 18 months of total forbearance. So that is all in. But to qualify, you must have requested an initial forbearance plan on or before June 30th of 2020. That was last summer. Not all borrowers will qualify for the maximum. So that's something that you have to really look at. You can't just be like, oops, yeah, now I can't pay. What to do next? You know, I've said it a couple times. You have to figure out who services your mortgage. I opened up this, this episode with um, the story about my client who had a problem with their insurance company with their home and how the home how the homeowner's insurance company is not extend, renewing their policy. One of the things that I'm working on right now is this beautiful workbook that will include all of the details of your mortgage company, how much your mortgage payments are, what is your interest rate, um, it'll include an amortization chart so you know how your, your mortgage payments are being applied over the course of your mortgage. All of this really key detailed information that needs to be in one place. God forbid something happened to you, your spouse, your partner, your significant other, your children, they need to know where this information is. The last thing you want is them going into a drawer or pulling out a box and there's this mishap, miscellaneous papers everywhere that you understood what they were, but nobody else understands what these papers mean. So one of the things that I'm working on is the development of this binder that will say a state of wealth on it that will help you organize all of this information. So going back to what to do next, you have to figure out who services your mortgage. Once you know who services your mortgage, you'll better be able to understand what next steps are. Because right now, 
most people just don't know. And let me let me say this to you, and let me be very, very clear. Do not feel <clears throat> ignorant, stupid, dumb, I just don't know. Nobody knows what the hell is going on right now. Nobody knows timelines. Nobody knows timetables. Nobody knows if the real estate market is going up or down. Nobody thought AMC stock was going to go through the roof. Nobody knew that Airbnb stock was going to tank. We are living in such uncertain times right now. This is a time to ask questions. And I remember I did a Facebook Live over a year ago. It was actually at the start of COVID. And I talked about how wealth is acquired in a down market. I live by that statement. You have to understand what to do next where to go and start to learn what questions to ask so that you really can understand how your finances and how your money is supposed to move to best support you in this life and your family members once you've transitioned. So that's, you know, that's something that you really have to look at, something that you really have to understand. Owning a home is a major, major, major responsibility. And I just feel like the more we know, the more we grow, and the better your finances can grow. I want to share a couple more things with you before we start to wind this down. I try to keep, keep these shows uh, at 30 minutes because the, the topic can get pretty heavy at times. But listen to this. I was sharing with you um, the situation about this home at, you know, at, this, at the start of my real estate career uh, about this, this house. And one of the challenges was that the house had some deferred maintenance that there were some things that needed to be fixed with the house um, to really keep it in good shape I would say and then when it came time to sell it there were there was this list of things that really needed to be addressed to get it retail ready and those are things that the homeowner really just was not prepared to pay for and really just didn't want to quite quite frankly and so I recommend between one and three percent of the value of your home to spend that on just regular upkeep throughout the year. So if you have a house for three hundred thousand dollars, ten percent is thirty thousand, one percent is three thousand. That means you should spend at least three thousand dollars a year minimum just on maintaining your house, whatever that looks like. If you do landscaping, if you do new countertops, if you do new appliances, if you do a floor, put a carpet down, take up, like spend between 1% to 3% a year just on home design and maintenance. You want to keep your house fresh. You want to keep your house current. You never know what situation life may present to you. You may want to sell the hell by investing one to three percent a year and that's a really that's an industry number and I, it's a very good number actually it's not something that I just pulled out of my head but if you ever get into a financial situation you know you'll have equity in your home if you have maintained it if you have continued to to elevate the, the level of your home you can now pull money out of that home especially in a market like now where houses are appreciating in in, in, in record speed I just was speaking with a woman the other day. She just moved from New Jersey, East Orange, down to uh, South Carolina. She chose South Carolina instead of North Carolina because the taxes are a little bit more favorable to homeowners. 
She just bought a townhome in 2020, right in the midst of COVID. So don't 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 let people tell you that properties were not being sold and bought during COVID. Um, her house is already appreciated. Let me double check in the text message she sent me. I want to get this right. Here it is. $52,000. So, in one year, she has, her gains, this is when you start talking about capital gains, $52,000. Now, if she wanted to, she could pull that equity out. She could sell it, sell the house right now. She'd be up fifty-two grand. but then here's the little sticking point with that. If you sell it now, then where are you going to go? Like, sell your main property, your primary residence, then where are you going to live? Um... She's not going to sell, but the point is she's gained $52,000 in one year. So that's just, it's a really good, real estate is almost a can't lose situation. Now, of course, when you're taking it back to 2008, 2009, when the market just went tank, people were so underwater that they were just walking away from their homes. That's because, uh, you know, of these subprime, the subprime lending crisis, and I'm going to do a whole nother episode on that. But if you go back to my old episodes, not on my Facebook Lives or my IG Lives, but in my podcast, that last week of September, I chronicled for an entire week. I think i got to pull these episodes up and reshare them. The fall of Lehman Brothers and all these other banks because of the risks that they took betting against housing. So that's something that we have to look at. But anyway, tonight I, I feel like I addressed a very important issue. And that's what's going to happen when the forbearance ends and what you as a homeowner can do to protect yourself, to protect your family, and to protect your largest asset. So I trust that you found this information helpful. So don't forget to click like and click share. Um, so if you're, again, if you're watching on live on video, it's uh, Real Estate Real Late. And if you're listening to the podcast, Thank you for listening to A State of Wealth. And always remember, we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all soon.